Welcome, everybody, to episode two of The Sheriff. Guys, I am so excited to have this show today. We have a special, special guest, Scarborough's very own Chris Stewart. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of the show today. Awesome. Awesome. Now, now the reason, the reason for me wanting to have Chris as our first ever guest on The Sheriff is one, the, the guy is an inspiration to all hockey players that are aspiring hockey players right now. Um, the story that he has is incredible. Um, the man is from my hometown of Scarborough, okay? Um, I know his personal, I know his family personally. Um, I love the guy, and we're going to talk about his career and everything else in between, and I'm just excited to get going here. Kyle, why don't you say hello to everyone, man? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Sheriff. We're happy you guys could join us. You know, I'm I'm dying to hear a little bit more of this story of Chris Stewart and, like, how you got into hockey, man. No, for sure. You know, uh, you know, if you really know our background, you know, we, we, don't, we don't really like to talk about too much of, of where we came from and what we had to go through. And I think that was more of a you know, a young man's mentality. And, you know, as you get older, you kind of realize that, you know, you, you kind of, you know, a man's based off of his personal and life experience. And, you know, I think it's important for the, for the next generation of hockey players or just, just, just men in general coming up, trying to do the right thing. It's, it's sharing my story. So, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, my dad, uh, my dad's migrated from, uh, from Jamaica and, uh, in 67, no, in 70, 73, I think it was. And, uh, you know, when he came to Montreal, that's, that's, that's where he came originally, where his family was. And, uh, you know, he, the Montreal Canadians, they, they won, I think six Stanley cups in eight years. And, you know, he's an avid Habs fan and he really fell in love with the game. And I think that's where, you know, the, the love for the game and kind of the culture kind of came from. And, uh, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, he was being a Habs, Habs fan and I was a Leafs fan and. You know, we used to have we used to have bets, and you know, whoever had scored the goal, the other team has had to score a goal. The other guy had to do 20 push-ups, and you know, being a seven, eight-year-old kid, you fall asleep at the first intermission, right? And I remember waking up, <laughs> you know, and my dad waking me, kicking, giving me a kick in the third period there, and on the couch there, and making me wake up and do my push-ups when the Habs are making a comeback. So, you know, that's that's that's, that's kind of where my where my love for the game kind of came, and my passion for the game, and. Fast forwarded, I, I think, I think Sean, you might remember, I think you might have, I don't know, actually, I don't think you played against my cousin. My cousin played for the Detroit Junior uh, Red Wings and a little bit for the Belleville Bulls and the, and the Gulf Storm. And Yeah, that's you know, Pat Barton, right? Pat, Pat Barton, yeah, shadow Pat Barton. So I'm, I'm sure he's uh, an avid fan and he'll be following this, this podcast. And I think him passing down the equipment to my brother is kind of, kind of what got the, the love for the game started. And, you know, growing up the whole time, I, you know, my you know, my brother was my idol. You know, you know, as a little brother, you you, know, you just want to be like your big brother. And, you know, to say he set the bar high, set the bar high is, a, is, a, is a very, very, very extreme understatement. You know, he, uh, Sean sure knows, you know, he was, he, he, was a, he was a child prodigy probably from the age of 12 and the expectations. And, yes, you know, for from, sure. From being a first-round pick to the OHL and, you know, first-round pick to the NHL and under 17 gold medals, under 18 gold medals. Silver medal in uh, 2004, which was the famous goal when Mark Andre Fleury shot the puck and it hit Braden Colburn in the head, and they tied the game. And Patty O'Sullivan got the got the got the winner late, and you know they came back next year in 2003 and won the gold medal, and you know was arguably probably the best uh, team Canada ever. So that's kind yes. of uh, 
kind of where the passion came for the game. And, you know, I just wanted to be like my brother the whole time growing up. And if you fast forward a little bit later on in the story and, you know, our, our, our family was going through some, some financial hardships at the time and, you know, economically and financially, we, we didn't have the means for me to play hockey. So I had to, uh, I had to take the year off in my OHL draft year when I was 14 years old. And, you know, that, that kind of killed me at the time. I think that was the same time when, uh, you know, my brother was leaving for the OHL and, you know, I was at home and I had the year off. So there was kind of a big disconnect there. And I, and I kind of felt that. So once, uh, you know, once he came back, I think uh, in the next year I played high school hockey and I ended up walking on and playing midget for the junior Canadians. And, you know, he, uh, he ended up getting me a tryout down, down there with the Kingston Frontenacs. And, you know, they're looking for a little bit of toughness. And, you know, I don't think I've ever been in a hockey fight in my life, but I've definitely been in a fight in my life. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I had yes. to figure it out on the goal. So I went yes. down there on a, on a tryout and, I, you know, I made the team as a, as a 17-year-old walk-on and walked on to the Kingston Frontenacs. And that's and that and that's so amazing, Chris. And like I actually, that's the kind of the part of the story that 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 I kind of wanted to focus on a, a little bit is when you arrived on the Kingston Frontenac. Now, this older brother that that we're that we're talking about here for for the listeners that that are just tuning in, um, Chris is the younger brother of Anthony Stewart. Um, Anthony, with all the accolades that Chris just mentioned, he is a national hero in my opinion with what he's done for team Canada and, and beyond and what he's done for Scarborough as well. And Chris, you pointing out, you know, following in the footsteps and, 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 you know, having doors open by him, you know, I, I give my hats off to Anthony because I do know the story and I know how powerful the thing that is. And the Kingston front next, Chris, this time, I want you to talk about, Coming to the team, an OHL team, as a walk-on, as an invite to training camp, making that team, and I want you to talk about the transition into being an everyday player, a respectable player, and of course, by the end, being a top prospect and and eventually a first-round draft pick. But let let's talk about when you first got the Kingston, buddy. Please go ahead. Yeah, you know, um. You know, let's make one thing straight. You know, I, I 100% got that trial because Anthony Stewart was my brother. You know, that was, there was no doubt about that. You know, he was, he's been there four years. You know, he was, he was the first, first rounder to probably report in three years. And, you know, he wasn't asking for a trade. He was, he was really loyal to, to the management. And, uh, you know, they, they, they gave him a favor and brought me in as a, as a trial. But, you know, they had no idea what was coming. And boys, and I was, you know, I was a little raw, I was a little thicker. I was probably 240 pounds at the time, probably being 16 years old. But you know, I was a football guy. You know, I, I ran, a, I ran, a, I ran, I ran a four four. I ran a four four. <laughs> I think a four 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 three forty. You know, I was a big guy. I could move, and you know, I, I remember that whole summer. You know, I I was so young and so naive. I didn't know anything training. I you know, I think I there wasn't even YouTube back then. I remember putting on a putting on a garbage bag and running all summer. That's how I was going to lose weight. I'd, I'd go up to, I was living in Malvern at the time. I'd go to Pearson track and I'd, you know, I'd run two, three miles every day with a garbage bag on. So trying to shed the weight and get ready. So, but I knew there in my mind that, you know, I was the kind of guy that all I needed was an opportunity. And when I got there, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going there to make that team. So, you know, I went on there and I, I, I think I had maybe, you know, four fights in the first two games and three goals, couple assists. And, you know, <laughs> they had no idea what was going on, right? Like, they're like, yeah. what? What? like why didn't I, 
I remember sitting in, in Larry, or you know, rest in peace, Larry Mavity. You know, he uh, he just passed yes, away. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Rest in peace, Larry, Larry Mavity. You know, Absolutely. he was he was kind of the guy that you know. I just remember uh, sitting in that office, and I had, I had a fight. I think I had two fights that game. I had a black eye, and you know, I, I couldn't see him. I, I, I he's talking to me. I, I couldn't I couldn't see him. And you, you know, Mav, he has this he has this grungy voice, and he's like, "Oh fuck." I guess I'm gonna have two Stewarts on the team this year. You know, that's 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 yeah. how he, that's that's how he told me I'm on the team. And you know, we negotiated my school package. I think it was like fifteen hundred bucks. It was not. It was I was like, it was nothing, right? Like here I'm thinking I got this big school package. You know, I'm literally no, you know, couldn't even buy my books. But you know, thank God, I, you know, I, I didn't end up having to have to use that school package. And you know, that was the kind of the start of you know the, the you know the the start of the path of, you know, becoming a first-round pick in the NHL. That's that's kind of where it clicked to me that you know this this is happening and you know this this is what I want. This 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 is what I'm going to do and work every day to to make this happen. Yeah. No. No, Chris. No. Tell. I, I explain to our viewers, man, what it was like when you started getting rated in the central scouting halfway through the year, Christmas time, and then by the end of the year, like like what. Like, like, what was that like, man, to be rated in that high in the draft? Like, what? And like, you know what, Sean? Because I was, I was the, uh, you know, I was a 17-year-old rookie, and my birthday was in October. So, just so had it, my, I had a late birthday. So, my birthday, my draft year got pushed to the next year, right? So, that was, that was huge for my development, right? If I would have came in my first year and that was my draft year, maybe I would have been, a, you know, a fourth or fifth rounder or something like that. But I really had that year to, to get it under my belt. And then that summer, I... You know, I went crazy. You know, I was, I was, I was living in Malvern. I was, and if this is for the Scarborough fans here, like if you, if you know anything about Scarborough, you, you, you bend to Midnight Chinny, right? At Canlan Ice Sports at Markham and Steels there. And oh yes, I was going to Midnight, I was going to Midnight (laughs) Chinny. I was going to Midnight Chinny from 12 to 2 a.m. Getting home about 2, 2.30, And then I had to train downtown at, at, at Station 7 where Gary Roberts and my workout and my slot was at like. 8.15 8.15 in the morning. I didn't have a car, so I was, you know, I was <laughs> I was jumping on the 131 Nugget, going to Town Center, <laughs> taking the RT to Kennedy Station, and then taking the train all the way down to Young and Bloor, transferring and coming around to Union Station, right? That's, that was my routine every, every day. You know, I didn't have a dollar to my name. I had a bus pass and, and a work ethic, and that's that's kind of where, you know, I, that's that's where I got the hunger, you know, those those long bus trips and, you know, those four or five hours of sleep, that's the, you know, that's, that's the sacrifice I had to make to get to the next level. So now anybody listening to this podcast, if you're listening in the car, if you're on your way to hockey, if you're with your parents, if whatever it is that you're doing, please look at each other and realize that this is the type of work ethic that it takes if you realistically want to have a a job in this game when you're older. If you want to be a professional, what you just heard is exactly the type of work ethic that it takes. Now, Chris, obviously that worked for you, seeing how you almost tripled your points from your first to your second year, my friend. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that's, like yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was the focus. And you kind of, you know, kind of touched on it back to the original question was kind of the transition, how it happened. Well, when I came to camp, I think maybe I was ranked, you know, 85th on the North, on, on, on the North American skaters. Right. And then, okay. And then, and then when that, and then when I think when that, that was the preseason, right. Then the Christmas came out. And then I remember from there, I went from there to, third uh third over on the ohl and ranked probably like the seventh or eighth north american skater so that's when i knew you know this this is some big business going on here and then of course uh 
I ended up going to the top prospects game and the Canada over Russia game or I made a bonehead mistake and, uh, you know, I, I speared a Russian in that game and got a three-game suspension suspension, and, you know, probably uh, single-handedly re- removed myself from, from from making Team Canada. You know, I, I, I made a pretty big mistake there and it, that kind of cost me uh, my position on the team. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, you know that's all in the history now and that team went on to win a gold medal as well. So, you know, you can't hate on them. But the yeah, question it, is, is did the guy deserve the spear? Well, if you want, I don't know if you guys can ever get the video up, but if you type into YouTube, Chris Stewart Spear, and I'm flying down the wing, and this guy starts cross-checking me in the neck. I think he was probably about 38 years old. I don't know how old this guy was. I don't know. He looked, he looked, he looked like a grown man, but he started, started cross-checking me on my neck, and I didn't want to fight him. So, you know, my initial response was just to spear him, and it was a bullhead play. And, you know, if I took I, <laughs> well, nothing he could do now, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So... So like 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 the, the the first to the second year, you almost triple your points. You go from thirty points to eighty seven. You're able to maintain to be a top scorer, keeping the thirty seven thirty six goal marker in your third year as well. So now let's talk about the jump from the OHL to the pro level. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, my friend? No, for sure. I think uh, Wait, you know, knowing we, now, knowing now, you jump. Yeah, go ahead. Kyle. Jump straight before we jump straight in the the transition. What about draft day, man? What was what was draft day like? Draft day was un unbelievable. You know, probably uh, you know, probably one of the happiest days of my life. Uh, good portion of my family it was in Vancouver, 2006, and you know, I just I didn't know where I was going. I knew I was going first round, but I didn't know where. I could have went anywhere as early as seven and as late as 25, but. You know, Toronto Toronto was picking, I think they had 13. They took Yuri Tulusti. I thought I could have went there. Vancouver had 14. San Jose had 15. Montreal had 16. LA had 17. I knew I was going to come go somewhere around there. But what you yeah. don't realize and what they tell you on TV is, you know, from, from pick seven to pick 18, it's three and a half hours, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm sitting there like, you know, there goes 10, there goes 11, there goes, oh, my you know, my mom's looking at me like, "Am I getting drafted? Like, what's 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 going on here?" It was, it was a little bit, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but you know, at 18, I mean, I uh, you know, I ended up getting drafted to the Colorado Avalanche, 18th overall, and uh, I thought at the time that was, you know, that that was that was the perfect spot for me. Yeah. So so and and of course your whole family was there to to be a part of that with you. You know what? Side note too, Sean, your uh, yeah. you know your your younger brother brother was there as well, Patrick. You know, wow. Uh, okay. Was, you know what? That, that's it was, right. It was just a small Remember world that. where, uh, yeah, my brother and him just bumped into each other, something like that, downtown Vancouver. And he's and like, What are you doing here? And he's like, Oh, my brother's getting drafted. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anthony's okay. gonna hate this story, but if you type into the YouTube, Chris Stewart getting drafted, right? And he goes to the video, the first thing you hear, because the first thing your brother was throwing a fit going, Oh, how come I don't get to sit beside Chris? <laughs> I was like, well, oh, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, yeah, my yeah. mom, my four sisters. Yeah. So now he's sitting outside of my brother, but on the aisle, like in the in the aisle, right? And he's so rattled. When they, when they, yeah, so when they call my name, they can hear it. All you can hear is someone go in the back in the, in the background go, ha he got drafted higher than Anthony. But. <laughs> 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 And it was and it, and it was and it was Patty, right? And that was yeah, yeah, yeah. The most well, Patty you know, thing ever, right? But that, you, you yeah, can't make so, that that's up. Classic, and... <laughs> that's classic. Pat. That's that, that's great. That's great. And, but uh, and, yeah, and, he was he was there. He was there at the cell. We went to a big dinner after. We went after, and 
I, yeah. I think I was 19 at the time, and you know, they were legal in Canada. We went for some drinks, and we just we 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 just we just had a great time. It was it was one of my you know one of my great memories, and I had three other of my teammates on the draft list too that all got drafted, and we're all there, and our families are there, and it was you know that was you know that was you know probably you know, one of the one of the most keepsake times for me. That's for sure. Yeah, and 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 I guess just the, also the fact, Chris, just to the fact that you were a walk-on in the OHL and you never really got to see the draft experience and all that. You know what I mean? Like that. That. that, that well, I, well, I saw. Well, I saw it two years earlier, but I was there with my brother, right? So exactly. But, but like at that time, stuff, I wasn't playing yeah. hockey because I was out of hockey. So this wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a dream for. Me. I was just like you know, I was I was there as a fan, just just yeah. taking it in. Ovechkin walking by, all these guys are there, you know, Bobby Orr is there, there's there's, there's all these hockey greats there, and, you know, there's just little me. I, I, yeah, I remember, I was, I was 15 years old at my brother's NHL draft, 2003 in, uh, in Nashville. It was the first time I ever been to the States. Wow, that's fantastic, man. That, that That's a that's a great story. Um, So, yeah, so, so, so the draft, the draft is huge. Now, what sticks out in your mind about the beginning of the pro career? Like, is there anything that that was special to you in the first couple of years? Cause you had a really long successful career, my friend. Yeah, I think, uh, I'm sure, you know, like being a former player that, that first year pro is, I mean, maybe, maybe not for you cause you're a killer at any level. So it didn't really matter for you. You could be <laughs> as business I, as usual, but you know, you're me, it was just, uh, it was, you just get my confidence up. No, well, fuck, you know, I mean, for you going to go from, Community O to the A, it didn't matter, man. There's killers everywhere. There's business as usual, right? When I got there, I was like, oh, it was, it was a bit of an eye-opener. Guys were bigger. Guys were faster. You were playing against yep. grown men. Like, yeah, I was I was strong, but I was strong when I was playing against kids, right? But now you're playing against men who, and this is a business now, and it's 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 a whole new it's a whole new thing. And I I think Colorado, you know, in hindsight, they told me that they knew I was going to be there my first year, right? It was going to be a whole development year in the HL, and you know, my first year was the, was the inauguration team in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, for the Lake Erie Monsters. I uh, I think I had 25 goals that year, and uh, I think that's still a record to this day for, for for a rookie as a as a 20 year old rookie. But uh, I really took that year to to really get adjusted, get it really adjusted to the pros. And once I had that year on my belt, I knew coming into camp the next year I was I was going to be ready to go. That's fantastic. Now now we're talking about 25 goals for for the lake erie monsters but what about 28 goals for the colorado avalanche what about that <laughs> what was that like man well before we get there i want to take you to uh you know the year i actually made the team i think uh yeah let's do it it was uh it was our last this is in colorado versus la it was the last exhibition of the year game of the of the of the exhibition last game of the exhibition season and they always did that in las vegas right that was that was but you had to ever play in that game you you're going to make the team. So, you know, first shift, uh, West Garth and our tough guy, Scott Parker, they square off, right? And yeah. They go toe to toe and Parks, he's still one of my good friends to this day, but you know, that, that fight ended, ended his career. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was never the same after that. And he had ran into some concussion issues and, you know, a lot of post-concussion syndrome, but you know, he's on the up and ups now, but you know, that, that fight ended his career. So me being a 20 year old, I'm like, well, you know, when this guy comes out of the box, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make this team now. You know, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna survive. I, I want to make this team. So he comes out of the box, and I never forget it, man. I'm 20. This this guy this guy looked like the Undertaker, man. He had hair down. <laughs> all the, all, you know, he's six. He's six six. He has the flow. And I remember I'm in his I'm in his pocket for maybe a good 45 seconds on the ice, and he has no idea I'm there. I'm just 
working up the courage, following them around, following them around. And, you know, I try, I, I kind of saw some, I'm like, Westy, let's go. And by the time he turned around, he threw an uppercut that just skinned my helmet and knocked it 20 feet in the air. Like if that hit me, I was gone. I was yeah. gone. <laughs> I was, and like, I remember as my helmet was flying into the air and I take a look left at the bench and I could, I, I could kind of see like Joe Sackett, like going, no, because, <laughs> <laughs> no. but they had no idea I could fight. Right. Well, he was just thinking I was this young first rounder, like about to die. So, you know, he threw it, he missed. I, I'm a, I'm a lefty. I always start off righty and I switched to my left and I landed a yep. couple spots and we went toe to toe for a bit and we hit the deck and I survived, but you know, I still got sent down after that game, but I knew after that fight, that's kind of when I knew, all right, I could, I, I could fight anyone in the NHL. You made your mark. Exactly. That's what you did there. Exactly. And, and you showed the character and the courage, and I'm sure that went really far with every single teammate on the bench, my friend. No, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, back to the question about the 28 goals and, uh, that year yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, that was, you know, that was a great year for us, uh. And I think if you go back and crunch the numbers that year, I, I got sent down for the first two games of the year. And I don't, I don't think I scored for the first 17 and I didn't score for the last 10. So if I think I had 64 points that year, so it was like literally like 64 points in just under 70 games or something like that. But we were, that's we were right. Affairs. You know how it is when you're feeling confident, you can do anything on the ice. You can make any play you want. You're not afraid to turn it over. Pucks are coming to you. You know, you, you know, you know that feeling. You know what I mean. You just feel like you're going on the ice, and and nothing can be stopped. We were so young, so naive. We didn't even know. We didn't even know. That we, I didn't. I didn't understand the magnitude of what I was doing. I didn't know I was dominating the NHL at the time. I was just a young kid having fun. You know what I mean? That's 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 kind of where I was at with it. What and, the, it and, and what was it like playing with a guy like the legend Joe Sackick? <laughs> it was, it was great. You know, he was. It was Burnaby Joe. You know, I remember walking into the dressing room and first time, hey, what's up, Stu? And I'm like, oh, hi, Mr. Sackett. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Like, hi, Joe. Uh, what do you, what do you like, it was just like, it was, it was, it was just, it was crazy, man. It was, it was crazy. But uh, the fast forward towards the end there, when uh, you know, I was. I was I was hurt. I broke my hand, and that's when. Uh, do you remember when Joe got his hand caught in the uh, snowblower and he cut his hand? Yeah. Oh so yeah. I, I remember we we were bag skating together for like two months. Well, <laughs> I was I was bag skating and Joe was watching me kind of. That's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know the assistant coach. Yeah, yeah Joe's done. Uh, yeah, you're not right. So so we got we we got to know each other a lot, and uh, you know he was he was great with the young kids. You know he was. You know, you have all those memories of, you know, him winning the Stanley Cup, Team Canada. Like, you know, it's so yeah. iconic, so much history. You know, it's did just like... Ever, did you ever... Were you ever Joe Sackick in the EA Sports games, though, man? Did you ever <laughs> play him in the video games? Did you, did you ever... Well, I was old school. I think the last system I had, like, uh, was Super Nintendo, and it was NHL yeah. 94. And, uh, yeah. Had, you remember the... You remember he, the wasn't, he remember playing? The, wasn't he you, playing that? You remember the glitch in the game where you went to the blue line and you could push Y and it, the, the shot would go goal over the goalie's head and it was an automatic goal. So it was whenever, <laughs> whenever you're playing heads up with your brother and he did that, that only counted as a half goal, right? You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't count that as a full goal because it was, it was a glitch in the game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And and like you know what, Chris, like how you were saying, like like at the time, you you just didn't realize that you were literally dominating the NH, the National Hockey League. You know, like getting over a point a game, playing for one of the top teams in the league. I remember that time. I just remember, you know, seeing you on SportsCenter, seeing all the points getting done and, and just being so proud, you know, just just being a Scarborough guy myself. I, I was so proud that someone from where I was from was having that type of success, man. And it just goes to the hard work that you did. And, and you know, like I said, for the listeners out there, listen to this podcast, listen to the way this man prepared for certain years. And that's the kind of dedication that it takes. But, um, but yeah, so just... Moving along, Chris, um, you know, I find I find that when you when you move to St. Louis, that you really kind of like solidified your game. Do you feel that that was kind of the time in your career where this was the normalcy now? Like you weren't you weren't young anymore. You weren't new anymore. Like this was you like you're a solidified NHLer at this point by far. No, for sure. You know, I. uh you know, I ended up getting traded for uh, Eric Johnson, who was it was the first yeah. overall pick in 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 my draft year. So it was it was it was really surprising, but you know, we we were on a twenty game losing streak. You know, we we weren't playing well, and you know that was kind of your first taste of the business. You know, that was when you thought everything was going well, and you're on top of the world. That that was kind of something that that humbled you, being moved, and you know when uh, when you find out you're getting traded, right? Like, all right, we just moved in. You no, know, that was that was that year. I'm like, well, all right, where am I going? You know, I went from the 14th place team to the 13th place team. I'm like, oh shit. You know, maybe maybe I'm going maybe maybe I'm going on a run here, or I'm going to a better team. But you know, that was this 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 was the beginning of stages where you know St. Louis was was plotting and starting to do what they're doing now. You know, there's a lot of guys on that team now that I played with then that that, that won that Stanley Cup and was yeah. there to raise that. Right. So you know, yeah. just to know that I was about that I was a part of that 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 culture and. Ended up being the sacrificial lamb one year to to bring in Ryan Miller, so that's another yeah. case of the business. But yeah, I think that was just timing. I think uh, becoming a pro in St. Louis, and you know they they fired uh, Davis Payne, I think like seven games into the year, and you know they brought in they brought in Ken Hitchcock. So when as soon as they brought in Hitch, you know just the expectations and went up in that dressing room, you know, and that kind of that started to shift the culture and the team, and you know eventually we became a playoff a playoff team and a contender for years mm -hmm. now we being a flyers and obviously we we had hitch here for a little while as well what was it like playing under a guy like hitch for me <laughs> tough <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's you know that's another time when you're like you, you know how it is like now that i sit back and i and you look back in hindsight you know you're you realize some of the things that you that, that you made a beef about or complained about or you know you didn't really understand the full the full circle you know when a coach is picking apart your game and you're thinking that he's all he's all over you but in the long term he's just trying to help you be a better player you know I didn't I didn't really understand how to uh, you know how to take criticism at that time in my career and you know we 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 battled we battled for years and you know I I ultimately lost that battle because I ended up in saying <laughs> in Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, but, and, it was, and I, but it was great. That was that was that was, that was that I played there three and a half years. The fans there were, were were second to none. The alumni support in that city was was amazing, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, we I I enjoyed my time there. Yeah, and 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 you know, just just moving along with the timeline, Chris. Um, you know, the the, the next few years, obviously, you mentioned Buffalo. 
Um, you know, there, there was Anaheim, Calgary, and Minnesota. Now, in these years, to me, being a Chris Stewart fan and knowing Chris Stewart personally, Minnesota, that was, that's where, where I kind of recognize you with in that time of your career. Would you, is, is that the case? Is that no, where you, sure. you know what, that was, uh, that's a really accurate statement, you know, um, you know, for, I don't think it was a part of my career where I was making the most money or, or playing the uh, most minutes, but it was definitely a part of my career where I was playing my best hockey and really understanding the identity of who I am and what I was going to bring and really started to buy into the team atmosphere and, and embracing my role. You know what I mean? And that's the toughest part about being a team is, you know, every, everybody, everybody was a first round or second round. Everybody scored 30 goals in junior. Every, everybody played big minutes. But if you watch these teams now and these teams that are going all the way, you've got guys that are going to have to buy in and be a part of the team and being a part of a team sometimes means that, you know, you're going to have to do something that's, you know, more than likely is probably not in your best interest, but in the better interest of the team. And the faster you understand that and embrace that, you know, is the more is the more success you're going to have long term as, as a player and as a team. Wow, that's that, I, I, I really hope that everybody heard that because that that that's rated That's knocking the nail right on the head, my friend. You that's, mean that's, it doesn't just require like 32 superstars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, because that's how everybody acts on Twitter. Like, oh, my God, if you just sign every one of the best players, you're going to win the cup. Like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> look, at, look, look, at, look at Tampa last year, right? You know, they, they were going 11-7. and seven. They, had, they, had, they had Luke Shannon there back from the dead playing well, getting a cup, plugging in, playing good minutes to them. You know, they, they, they had Pat Maroon there who was back-to-back champs. He won, the, he, won, he won the cup the year before. He went there, took a smaller role, but really bought in, right? And you know how it is. You know how it is, Mac, when – you got yep. guys who are bitching about ice time or complaining. You know, you, you don't want that energy in the dressing room. You know, you want everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah, everyone's got to be pulling in the same direction, and everybody's got to be on the same page. And like Chris just mentioned, like like, like Chris, like like when, when you hear guys bickering and always complaining and saying, oh, the coach is screwing me, this, that, the other, it does ruin the energy and the and the positive outbring of, of the dressing room, right? So, yeah. so it absolutely kills it. Now – me as a player, I still play hockey, but I've never played pro. You guys are both pro hockey players as a fan of the sport. When you hear that in the locker room, as you guys said, like it, it really like it, it kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth, as you, you guys kind of alluded to. Who Did somebody say something to those guys, like somebody from the team, like, yo, shut up? Or like, do you just kind of let it roll how yeah, it is? Or? Yeah, you know, and it's... Like I like to say it's there, there's tax there's tax brackets right so it all exactly. depends who who's saying what and how they're saying but you know what as as men we're we're, we're competitive you know we want to you know we, I I can understand frustration but you know we're being mad that night if you want to wear it on your sleeve I I might get it but you know if you're pouting when the boy when the boys won a game or you know the next day you're coming with that same energy that's you know I think that's you know that's up to the leadership group or the captain or to, to kind of take you aside and just let you know that's 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 not how we do things here right and that's not going to be accepted and you know you you, you got to adjust it's, it's, it's bigger than you there's a bigger plan right exactly exactly and and there there's there's always a bigger plan and that, that kind of wanted where i kind of wanted to bring me to of the time the time chris in your career when it, it was a few a few years back where you had the opportunity 
had a couple um, NHL camp invites. And where was where were you at mentally with the game per se at that time as a player of of what of how you wanted to move forward? This would have been the year before you went to Nottingham, like like right yeah, before you, you know what? That was probably the most interesting off season of you know my my career. You know, um, I started off really good that year. I think I had I think I started that year seven seven goals in seven games, if I'm not mistaken, and things were going well and we were winning. And then we, our team got, our team started off really, really, really injured that year. And I was playing a lot and then we got healthy and started being in and out of the lineup, in and out of the lineup. And you know how that goes. It's kind of hard to get it going when you're getting out of the lineup. And, you know, I came into a situation where, you know, it was a contract year and, you know, I thought, you know, I I had to play, right. I was going to extend my career. I I couldn't finish the year as a scratch. And, you know, I, I ended up getting waived and picked up by the Calgary Flames who were on the outside looking in for the playoff spot. And as soon as I get there, there was, I think there was 18 forwards. So, you know, you know how that goes, you know, now it's yeah. oh, yeah. now you're stuck in the numbers game. And I don't think, I don't think I played very well in, in my stint there. And, you know, I was a free agent and, uh, you know, coming into training, coming into, you know, free agency that year, I remember talking to my agent he's, you know, Eustace King, I've been with him since I've been 18 years old. And, you know, he was just honest with me. He goes, listen, man, like right away, you know, listen, man, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to be a July 1st guy. You're probably not going to be a July 2nd guy. And you're going to be looking, you know, teams go out and spend their money. And, you know, you're going to be a guy that's going to get something later in the summer when, when, when guys circle back and, you know, that was very, very extremely stressful and difficult for me to hear. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't take a well. I, I wasn't happy. I, I thought, I thought the league would be more, I, you know, you, you think everybody owes you something and you demanded more respect, but you know, are you kidding, man? The show doesn't stop. No, nobody owes you anything in this game. And you know, when it came down to it, I ended up having a couple, a couple tryout options and, you know, I was so afraid of just going in and, and being cut from a team, you know, I yes. think for, yeah. from everything I put into my career, I just knew deep down that I couldn't go in and get cut. And I, I just, I just eliminated that process. I said, you know, I said, after I'm going to Russia, I signed him Russia. So, yeah, you know, I signed him Russia. I signed with guys, Slovan Bratislava. And I'm like, all right, you know, I kept telling myself, you know, when it's time to get on, you know, once I sign and when it's time to go, it's, you know, the, the switch, the, the switch is going to flick and I'm going to be excited. And, you know, once it got time to get on that plane, I, I, I wasn't there. I, I said, you know, I looked at my wife in her eyes and I said, I'm, I'm not going. And she was like, you know, I, I had plans to move my family there. We were all going to go. Like, that was that was the plan. You know, we we're all we're yeah. all going. We're all the front door. We're all packed up. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm I'm not going. I, I, I didn't want to go. It didn't matter how much money I was going to get. I, I didn't care about the money. I'm just like, nope, I'm not going. And I, you know, I, cl- I closed my hockey bag and I said, you know, F it. I'm, I'm just going to wait this out. And thinking that I was going to retire and going to retire and going to retire. Well, I'm telling myself, you know what? I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm retiring. But, you know, that's just a cover, right? You know, you know, right away, you know, you never, you never, you never lose that inside of you, right? But I'm just, I'm lying to myself, lying to myself and sitting there for a month and, you know, I'm all right. I hate hockey. I hate hockey. First thing I do, I get home. What do I do? I turn on the TV. I'm watching a hockey game. Like, what's, like, what's, what's, what's wrong with me, right? So I end up sitting there until about just before, just before Christmas. 
or no, this is about late November, December. I started getting a couple of calls from some European teams asking me if I was interested. I said no. I said no. I said no. And and then one of my best friends, Kevin Henderson, he was the uh, he was a player coach in Nottingham in the in the UK, and you know he even asked me. I just kind of reached out to him and said, hey man, like. Ask your coach, what do you think about me coming over there to play? And if he if he if he'd be okay with that, and you know, I I said right off right off the bat, right off the jump, you know, hey man, I've I've been on the couch for two months, so don't don't, don't think I'm in some some great shape, right? So I end up going to the Nottingham Panthers, and to be honest, I I I got that love back from the game. I was playing a ton, we we're playing great, we we're having fun. It was you know, hockey was fun again. It was just free, and I really got that joy back for the game. So it was a blessing in disguise. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so now you did feel that, that you got the love back for it, the hunger back for it, the itch back for it. And, and it, and it took going across the pond to find that out though. Right, Chris? No, exactly. Exactly. I just think, uh, just experience a different culture, a different way of life. You know, Sean, you, you played in Belfast. So you remember playing Belfast versus Nottingham and it's yeah. sold out and they're chanting your, you know, they're, they're pissed drunk. They're, 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 yeah. you know, they're, they're just enjoying it. They really embrace it. They got a soccer culture. Everybody's singing and chanting and the fans are so into the game. And, you know, it was, it was really good to see, you know, Great Britain kind of come along and not to say come along, but, you know, they qualified for the Worlds last year and, you know, they beat France. So they're in, they're in the next World Championships, but their, their, their hockey as a country is, is, has come a long way. That's for sure. Yeah, it definitely has come a long way. And like, and like for the listeners that don't know this, there is a very, very good league out in the UK. Um, myself, Chris and Anthony have all played in that league professionally. And, and yeah, it, it's a great league. There's some great rivalries you know, I, I had the opportunity to actually do two seasons over there. And, um, and Chris, so, so you, you had a good time in Nottingham overall, right? Yeah, we had a great time. The, uh, you know, the ownership was great. The guys, the guys were amazing. It was, uh, you know, we got we got lots of time off. We got times to travel. And if anybody knows anything about living in Europe, you know, we're flying to Budapest for thirteen dollars. You know, we're, <laughs> you could you, you, you could go anywhere. You could have a great time. It was it was you know it was it was definitely a unique experience. And at that point in my life, I thought if I was done, you know, I I I, I would have been content. That's that's for sure. Awesome. So now now we have the hunger back. We have we have the kind of the childhood feeling with the game again. So now it's comeback time. Is that was that what was in your mind after after that feeling? Like when was it that you decided that you wanted to take this run back at the National Hockey League? Yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't right away. I, uh, okay. I thought I th- I knew I knew for sure I wanted to play right. I wanted to play, and it was early enough in the summer where I was. I was training, I was staying in shape, I was starting to get it going. You know, as as free as July 1st was approaching, um, I remember calling my agent and I said, listen, you know, I kind of I kind of had an idea because, uh, you know, Chuck Fletcher and all the whole brass that I had in uh, Minnesota, you know, he ended up getting fired in Minnesota and rehired and taking over in Philly. So I remember kind of, you know, kind of having an intuition like, all right, they didn't really have anything that I brought. And, as you know, Wayne Simmons used to play there and they had, you know, he was gone and they got rid of Radko Gudis and, you know, they had, they didn't have an ounce of toughness at all in their lineup. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of ran up on my agent and I'm, he kind of thought it was a good idea. And then he's like, you know what? I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I'm not going to wait for my agent to call this guy. I'm, I'm going to call this guy. I'm going to call this GM and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask him, you know, and I, you know, I called him right away. I caught him by surprise out of the blue and I asked, you know, listen, I, 
I really think I can make an impact on your team next year. And, and, and it would be great if, if I can get a, a trial for the team. And, you know, we honored that request. And I kind of went down, made the team out of training camp, or a little after training camp, and signed a contract and became a member of the Flyers. As a Flyers fan, I never really heard the actual, like, background story of that. And that's that's kind of cool, though, that you just called Chucky, like, yo, uh, I want to come. And I oh, mean, yeah, I got... hey, hey, Chuck. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you got a spot? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it came in no uh and he was he was very clear from the start. This is this this is A V's team and he's calling the shots and I had to win over A V and you know I just I just wanted an opportunity, you know, and I came in, I came in in really good shape and made the team out of camp and you know, I still got a really really lot of good friends on that team. You know, that was probably one of the tight, tight, tight knit most group I've I've ever played with as a you know in the NHL. Chris, there's just one thing that I just wanted to touch into because there was a time yeah. when, 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 when people are like, oh, you know, Philly, Philly didn't sign him. Philly didn't sign him, right? There was some false reports at first, wasn't there? Well, because uh, you know when uh, I think it's October 5th or whatever, you got to pull in your, your your starting roster, right? So yeah. your opening night roster. So I didn't make the opening night roster, but we were we were in Switzerland and and, and Czech Republic because we started over there, so. I was still over there with the team and traveling and practicing with the team. And they said kind of once we come back to North America, because they had so many guys that were with them or the younger guys, they wanted to give a couple games over there in Europe that, you know, we'd pull the trigger on the deal once, once we got back. And that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Okay. No, no, that was interesting because I, so, what I, I, was, so just out of curiosity, what was that Europe tri- trip like? I mean, I, I we heard from, uh, I, I know, you know, Carson Torinsky, we've had him on our mainstay podcast. High and wide T-bone. radio, and yeah, <laughs> and uh, we, we heard the whole shaving, the shaving of the head story, and uh, and the, the fun that went along with that. But like from your perspective, what was that trip like? You know, like not actually having a contract with the team, but still being a part of the team and going overseas, and like what what was the experience like? Yeah, it was it was kind of weird for me because. You know, I didn't have a contract, and they were kind of like, well, you know, we're going to Europe for two weeks. Uh, do you want to come? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? like, so we only we only had one game in two weeks, so it was kind of like a mini vacation for me. But, you know, those I've been on all the good teams I've been on. They've always done, like, team building trips and, you know, just for the boys just to get together on the road. And, you know, like, hey, you know, Matt, the good teams that you ever played on or the best teams you always played on are the closest in the dressing room. So, Exactly. So that was kind of the time, kind of time to go on the road and get to know each other, and you know, really, really become a family, and uh, you know, start to start the season off on the right foot. So it was, it was great. And like for me, coming from England and being on the team playing again, and you know, they call it the NHL. It's a, it's a never hungry league, right? They got all this food, and we're in Switzerland. You got all these different cheeses, and we had we played golf, <laughs> and then we went to Prague, and uh, you know, Jakey, Jakey took us out for a big team dinner, and we got to try all these. All these, uh, you know, these Czech national dishes and all these different stews and meats. And it's kind of like Jamaican food. You know what I mean? Trying to like, go slow cook like oxtail and goat. And like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the kind of meat that they have. It was it was, it was really good, to, you know, for a guy who's been a leader on the team for so long to, you know, have the boys into his home country. And, you know, he was, you know, he's kind of like the Czech Brad Pitt out there, man. You go anywhere, the paparazzis are over there coming out of the skewer. They're coming out of the garbage can trying to get a picture of them. And like, so <laughs> That's he's what I heard. I heard he's like a, in his, in his element. <laughs> he, he's like a, uh, a super famous over there. He's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing stuff. So, 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 Chris. So, pretty much like, um, 
like like being back in the NHL though, like what like like did you did you feel that did you feel that you kind of like you know were more appreciative of things just because like it had been gone for a little bit and then you got it back like 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 what was that all about like like getting back into the league from from a little from a little bit of time up yeah 100% you know uh like you said not that you took everything for granted but yeah you know you hindsight uh, hindsight's not 2020 when you're there you're not thinking like how long I'm going to be here for you're just there and you're loving it so when I wasn't there and to get back you know setting my mind uh, you know, picturing that in my mind every day and wanting to make back to the NHL. And when I did get there, it was probably one of the most, you know, gratifying moments, setting a goal, achieving it. And like, you know, like I said, what are, what are the chances of to make it to the NHL? It's like less than a percent. You know, I, I exactly. did it twice. So, you know, that was, that was the most gratifying for me, you know, and, you know, and that's for anyone to give, you know, anyone out there, you know, you never give up on your dream. You, you want something in life. You know, every every man has twenty same twenty four hours in a day. You know, you work, you work, and you grind, and until you get it, and you keep pushing it until you get it, and you never stay satisfied. Those are true words, my friend. Thank you for sharing that so much. That's amazing stuff. That's amazing stuff. So, Chris, like, so now, now, like, like I, I want to talk a little bit about about what you go, got going on now. Like, like I know that the Flyers had they they offered you a, a coaching position. Could you tell us a little bit about that, brother? Yeah, so you know, I just been hired in, uh, you know, the front office working in uh, working in player development, and uh, you know, I passed this two draft. I was signed two guys, so I had the first rounder who was Tyson Forrester. He plays in Barry, really good player, and then uh, my second guy who's actually a Toronto guy. His name's Zade Wisdom. I don't know if you see any of his stories on uh, yeah on, T- on TSN. There, you kind of had a uh, you know similar upbringing to to kind of how I grew up and. Uh, you know he's from Jane. He's from uh, he's from Jane and Lawrence, and uh, you know he had a tough upbringing. And he signed he signed his first contract as an 18 year old. He's actually here in the American League right now, and he looks great. And it actually uh, he went to Wayne's Road Hockey Wayne's Road Hockey Warriors, uh, you know, charity too. So he's a yeah, he's an alumni of that too. So it's kind of it's kind of coming full circle now. And you know my mission now is kind of use my life experience and you know everything that I've been through to you know kind of help shape these kids and. You know, becoming full-time NHLers if that's what they want. You know, I'm 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 gonna help them. So, what actually goes into being a player development coach? Because like I know you you say like you got to sign no player, but like can you walk through your day to day like your interactions with that yeah. player? Yeah. Well, since well since the pandemic hit, you know, just a lot of Zoom calls. <laughs> that's mm. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. you know, while he while he's here, like uh. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in uh, Allentown right now in Lehigh Valley, and I'm probably here for. I come in for for ten days out of the month, and kind of watch these guys in practice, and you know, just kind of reaffirming practice habits and being a pro and taking care of your body. But you know, just trying to trying to I'm there for them to lean on if if they need any guidance. But you know, just little 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 alterations in the game and little things. It's just nice to just to have an opinion of a guy who's you know not on the coaching staff. You know, sometimes it's hard to hear from the coaching staff and. You know, you when you hear from a guy who's who's unbiased and you know doesn't have no stake in the game, I, I think it's a lot easier to, to to take. Now, Chris, like so, so like I like I really want I re- I want the listeners to kind of know the different things that that you're involved with right now. Um, so like like I want to talk about the hockey school in Minnesota. I also want to talk about Stewart Hockey, um, which mm-hmm. you start with your brother Anthony. Did you think you could tell us a little bit about that, brother? No, for sure. You know. Uh, 
I'm actually becoming more busy than I was when I played in the NHL. You know, all the <laughs> all these meetings and emails. You know, it's 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 <laughs> it's tough. But uh, yeah, you know, um, I just purchased uh, a couple months ago, probably six weeks ago. I became the new owner of the uh, the Minnesota Hockey Camps, and the Minnesota College Hockey Camps was previously in Nisswa, Minnesota, and now we're at Breezy Point, Minnesota, where we 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 moved the camp officially and. Uh, you know, this is a camp that was that was in my agents. It was owned by my, you know, my former agent. Uh, they've been there for 40 years, and you know, if you know, uh, if you know anything about the the traditions, and uh, you know, they uh, they had Lake Placid camp back there for the 1980 U.S. Olympic team back there in uh, 1980. They had training camp there, and uh, they've had home of uh, it's been home of the NHLers for you know the last 40 years. And uh, I remember going I first time. Uh, Coming up here to Minnesota when I was 17 years old, and before I had a World Junior camp, my agent sent me to this camp. And you know, uh, when I really, when I, when I really left that camp, I was, you know, I was, I was ready to go and probably in the best shape of my life. So, you know, that was kind of like our gauge for the rest of the years. You know, me, my brother Wayne Simmons, Devontae Smith, Pelly, T.J. Oshie, Scott Hartnell, Ryan Malone. You know, tons, tons of guys. You know, we'd go up there for the pro camp the last week every summer. So that was kind of the tradition that we had. And since, uh, since COVID hit. You know, uh, them like, you know, multiple other, you know, family owned and small businesses, you know, they, you know, they got, they got put out of business and, you know, we came together and, and discussed uh, a way to, to keep this tradition going alive. And, you know, this is something that I'm excited for and I'm really going to take personal and, you know, kind of dive in, dive in head first year. Yeah. Chris, I, Chris I, I really want you to plug this like hardcore. Do you guys have like a Twitter? Do you have a website? Yeah. Yeah, so our uh, our Twitter is uh, www.mnhockeycamps.com, and uh, if you'd like to go on and uh, just check it out, you know we're we're launching officially July July 11th this uh, this year, pending pending COVID, but hopefully by then, uh, you know everything is open and on the up and up, and you know this is for any young player that you know that was told that they're too slow or too small or you know didn't have the right touch or. You know, can never make it to that next level. This is for any player that wants to come out there and work on their and work on their game. You know, you come get right with the Minnesota Hockey Camps. I'll be there on site every day this summer, helping the next generation of kids reach their goals. Well, guys, you've 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 heard it here. You want to better your game? That's the spot. That's awesome, Chris. I'm I'm pretty proud of you, man. That you're that you're doing that. I'm sure that you're very passionate about it as well. Just being involved, at being ambassador of the game now. Um, obviously you're going to be growing this in the city where you had so much success. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the plan. And, uh, you know, we come together with some sponsors too, and there's going to be some scholarships going out and, you know, if there's families that are out there in tough situations or, you know, there's a bunch of families, there's for sure families out there in tough situations. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm taking it upon myself to, you know, give some spots here to some kids that, uh, that need some help and want to come and work on their game this summer. You know, with my kids personally, you know, for the last year and a half, you know, hockey, hockey's been up in the air. We've been on the ice for a couple of days off for a month. So, you yep. know, this is, this is crucial development time that, you know, kids aren't going to get back. So now we're playing catch up this summer. So, you know, let's, let's come put the work in. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a very good point though. Like all, all these kids, you know, a lot of them missed an entire season of hockey, which when you're trying to make it in this, well, in this lifestyle, I mean, missing an entire season is, is, like very detrimental to your to your development like are you guys going to be offering like a scholarship 
type deal or yeah like is there going to yeah. be a way to apply yeah no for sure we uh we'll have something launching on our on our website soon but uh i know if you know about the hda that i'm in the hockey diversity alliance where we're currently in talks to you know running a whole a whole bio a biopic week here up at the camps for for kids from all uh all around the world that come from uh you know different backgrounds and uh different countries and different environments and you know, we want to give them a, a hockey 101 and an introduction to hockey and, you know, a full week of camp experience. Yes, of course. So you mentioned the HDA, that's the Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, that you're a part of now. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, so, Chris, so so pretty much, I mean, from here on in, like 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 Stuart Hockey, what's what's the status of Stuart Hockey um, um, right now? Like with like the COVID and everything, like is anything happening with you guys right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, H Stu's up and running. He's up. Uh, he's at. He's out of uh, double. What is? I call it double rinks, but it's not double rinks anymore, Sean. What do no, I call that? Yeah, yeah. Von Iceplex. Is that what it's called? It, yeah, Von Iceplex, but it's known as double rinks still. Everyone still says yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I call it double rinks. <laughs> you know, you used, used to be right by Palazzo. You know, we're 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 a little we're a little right. older now, so yeah. <laughs> but um. um yeah, yeah, no, he's too. He's 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 the busiest guy in the city, man. And his heart, his heart's in the right place. You know, he, uh, you know, he started building his brand from the ground up, putting in hours, putting money out of his own pocket, and sometimes, you know, not making it back because, you know, like he says it best. You know, he sees what people saw in him, and people saw in us when we were younger, and that's potential. You know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, he's 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 that's that that's his selling point. You know, he's he's willing to invest his. You know, his most valuable asset, and that's his time. And you know what? That's, you know, we only have 24 hours a day. He has four kids. He's on TV. He coaches two AAA, te- two AAA teams, and he's still taking time out of his day to give back to the community and help these kids get, have a platform to, to reach their goals and, you know, not really asking for anything back. So, you know, he has a big heart and, you know, sometimes sometimes too big. You know, he puts his heart before business. And you know what? I can't fault him for that. That's that's the way we were raised. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him. You know, now that he's seeing him on TV and doing everything he's done, it's, you know, it's, it's, his transition post hockey has been seamless and it's, it's been smooth and great. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. Now, so what's the what would the official plug on Stuart Hockey be? What's the handle for Stuart Hockey for those that yeah, want to get? Yeah, so he's uh yeah on Instagram at, at Stuart Hockey on Twitter at Stuart Hockey. Awesome, that's awesome, that's great. So I mean, Chris, it's it, it's like I have I have um. A part of the show that that I actually, I, you know, I was going to be wrapping it up. That I would love, I would love for you to be a part of it as our as our first ever guest. It's it's the raw and order segment of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now this now this is a part of the show, uh, Chris, where you know when there's something that is controversial, something really big in the sports world is happening, and you know we're going to give our opinions on it. And you know this is a story that. There's still more to come out about it, but I would just like to focus on just purely the Angela. Yes, yeah. exactly. Tone <laughs> Now, 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 Chris. So, so Tony, just to give our listeners a little bit of background. Now, Tony D'Angelo um, was uh, the, the, a New York Ranger. Okay. Um, now, the man has recently signed a two-year deal, nine point six million dollar contract with a four point eight million dollar hit on the cap this season and next now D'Angelo had a miscommunication with his goaltender the other game where you know it was supposed to be left and it wasn't 
There was a turnover. Sidney Crosby scored the OT winner. Um, allegedly, after the game in the dressing room, uh, D'Angelo said a, a smart-ass comment to his goaltender that was still sulking in the overtime loss. He needed the time to himself. And allegedly, the guy snapped. There was a physical altercation in the dressing room. Um, the teammates allegedly had to break up the, the altercation. And the New York Rangers allegedly contacted D'Angelo that evening and said that they had had enough, that this enough is enough. We are putting you on waivers tomorrow, which they actually did today. And he actually cleared waivers. So now my, my question is, a guy as talented as D'Angelo that a team is willing to put on waivers, we mentioned in this episode how important it is for every be everyone on the same page. Does Tony D'Angelo get a second chance, in your opinion, in, in the National Hockey League, Chris? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's tough not to talk about these kind of things without, you know, involving emotion and, you know, I'm sure you, you guys are quite aware of his of his checkered past and, and what's going yeah. on. And even besides that, you know, I think guys get the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, Sheriff, like exactly what we talked about. You know, this this is this is this year. They gave this guy a two year contract, ten million dollars. So they believe yeah. him. You know what I mean? But <laughs> that goes to show you when and you know, Kyle, you asked about it too. Well, who who addresses this when things get out of hand and things are going on in the dressing room? Like this obviously didn't happen overnight. This is this has been an ongoing thing, and you know they they've tried to handle it internally, and you know obviously you know obviously it's 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 come to a point where they thought it was you know best to to, to sever ties with the player, and that's what's best for your organization. And you know I'm all for second chances. I don't know the guy personally, but you know he's he's in a tough spot here. And you have a team who gave you ten million dollars two months ago, and now they don't want you. You know who's who else in the NHL is going to want you, right? He's, he's kind of in a tough spot. So, you know, hopefully he can figure it out and, you know, just focus on, you know, being a better person and going from there. So as far as, far as speculation goes, this is just my personal opinion. Um, the guy cleared waivers, correct? Yes. Yes, he cleared. So if you cleared waivers, there's a good chance that the speculation, it's like one of those if, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, well, I think that's confirmed. I think if you see their GM, Gordon, he came out today and said he's assigned to the taxi squad and he'll never play another game for the New York Rangers. Yeah, that's uh, correct. I actually man. did see that before we started recording, yes. Yeah, so, so I mean... that nobody else claimed him, ooh, you got a, you got a tough road back. Yeah, well, you got to take into account the $5 million, too, right? So now that's not really a freebie. <laughs> if a guy's making, you know, if a guy's making a million bucks or seven fifty, yeah, you can take a waiver, but... You know, if you if you pick up a guy like that for five million, you know you're on the hook for the next two years. You got to pay him that, right? So in a pandemic year and money's tight, you know, and all the scrutiny that's been going on with the ice with them, you know, you're 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 really put you're not really helping yourself, and you know you're kind of putting teams in in a tough spot here. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, guys, I mean, the the bottom line is is no matter how talented of a hockey player you are. If some of the things are true that are that are being alleged against the guy, and you know we're gonna have to wait for that to come out, but if if you are a guy that has strong opinions that are against the grain of most people, you know if you're if you're an alleged someone that that may have some racist stuff in your past, 
if you're an alleged person that is just not known as a good teammate, then you're gone. This is the highest level. You're not going to be around if, if that's the situation, no matter how talented you are. And it looks like that is the situation. And that looks like that's, that's what the New York Rangers believe to be true. So, you know, my opinion on this is that, is that Tony, you know, you, you're, 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 you're going to have to find something else, brother, because, you know, $10 million and being given up on that that quickly, you know, t- to me, it means that you got to go. And unfortunately for Tony D'Angelo in this year, in this episode of Raw and Order, it looks like he's going to go. We're going to see what happens, but I think that he's gone. I, I, I don't think that another NHL club is, is, is going to take a risk on this. They're going to have a lot of explaining to do if they do. And, um, and, and I think that people are going to kind of wait and see what happens. And, and I don't think we're going to see him play hockey this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair assessment there for sure. Yep. It's tough, sure. man. I mean, it's a tough, tough start. I can't, I can't imagine. First off, after an OT loss, regardless of whose fault it was, to say anything to anybody. Yeah. Me personally, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't even want to cut you off there because you know what, guys? Like, you know, didn't wasn't it wasn't it the other year where Bertuzzo shit kicked his teammate? He got a three year extension. You know what I mean? So it's not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's, it's not the it's not the fight, you know what I mean? I, no, no, I'll it's go on record and say that. It's, it's, it's oh, not yeah. the fight. There's obviously smoke. When there's smoke, there's fire. And you know, when when you see all these things leaking out, you know, the multiple what, you know, that's that's one tenth of the story. You know what I mean? So yes. you got to kind of yeah. take it with a grain of salt. And you know, the Rangers are doing what they're supposed to do. You you cover it up, and you know they're they're trying to you know trying to protect their guy and hopefully go their way and give him a soft landing. But you know, when you have a checker pass like that, you know, you, you just, you, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. And that's, 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 that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? I, I, I definitely appreciate the opinions, guys. The raw and order segment is, is raw. It is raw. Okay. But, but that's what this is all about. This is about giving strong opinions and, and saying what we believe. So I, I do appreciate you guys giving your opinion on that because that was a tough one for sure. So. Chris Stewart from Scarborough, um, I brother, I I am so happy that that you came on. Um, there was a lot of things that we went over that as a young hockey player, um, I think that people that, that that as a young hockey player listening to this podcast, I think that there's a lot that could be learned out of this episode. Um, I think that we've got really personal kind of in in the mindset of the hockey player and what it really takes to be a pro. And for everybody out there, guys, I mean, like Chris said, his own words, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you have. It's all about what you're about to put into the sport, the commitment that you're going to have and the support system that you have around you. So, Chris, I, I want to thank you again, man. It was amazing having you on this. The, you're the first ever guest on, on uh, the episode of The Sheriff, my friend. No, that was great, guys. You know, appreciate, you know, having some candid conversation here and. Anytime you guys want to bring me back, let me know. I'm available. Oh, for sure. We will definitely take you up on that offer. <laughs> uh, where can everybody find you, Chris? On Twitter or Facebook, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but I'll, all my stuff's private. You know, I'm old school. I don't, I don't really, I don't really do this. Okay. Media. I got, I got, I got the three kids. So, you know, if you want to get me, MinnesotaHockeyCamps.com. Hit me up. <laughs> That's it. MinnesotaHockeyClubs.com, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here on the sheriff. Guys, I want to thank you for listening to episode two of The Sheriff. 
We were very, very happy to have special guest Chris Stewart. And guys, we'll see you for episode three coming soon. Looking forward to it. Woo!